and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Christine Kaur, I am so excited to have you on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. You are welcome. I'm so excited to be here, Jules. Uh, Well, I'm just delighted. And for anyone that's listening, Christine and I knew each other probably 20 years ago. I think you just had a baby and mine was about one. Yes. Um, And uh, you were running an HR company, which we will get to in a minute. Um, but it's lovely, lovely, lovely to be chatting to you now and to hear, and to, I'm dying to hear what you've been up to for the last 20 years. So, but let's start off with what are you doing now? Um, what's your business called and what, what does it do? Okay. So, well, firstly, the business that we had, I had way back when I'm still running, that's called Chorus Executive. Oh, but really? It, yeah. No, it yeah, wasn't still called going. Chorus Executive then. No. What was the name before that? Uh, market Partners. So, when Bad you and I day. met, it was Market Partners. Right. And I had a few iterations, a few up and down, I can tell you about that journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Chorus Executive now. So, the essence is the same and we're still focusing on recruitment. Yeah. But a few years ago, I did have a bit of a light bulb moment thinking about about impact and future and um, equality and the workforce moving forward. And I created a business called People Coach. And People Coach is an on-demand coaching-led career and leadership development platform. And our mission is that every person should have equal opportunity and equal access to a coach when they need one. And, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. Well, I love it. I absolutely love it. And is the coaching about coaching you for a particular position? Is it anything to do with HR? It's just... Completely. Yeah, no, it's all about career and leadership. So it's all about how do we get... So all my history has been about how to build strong cultures, organisations and people's careers. Yeah. And in the recruitment area, we look at, you know, how do I you know, recruit those people or find those people for the job. In our coaching world, in People Coach, what we're trying to do or what we are doing is empowering individuals to take control of their own career and their own leadership. And why I did it was because I was doing a lot of executive coaching, a lot of it, and I could see the impact that was being made with the individuals. They were getting promoted. They were getting bigger pay rises. They were doing really well. And But the issue was I only got to work with the most senior people in the organisation because yeah. the way executive coaching works, you get to meet, meet work with senior people. There's and sort of an irony there, isn't there, that the higher you rise, the more you, be, you get access to this when it's actually what you needed is to get to there in the first place. Correct, correct. And the reality is, and this won't surprise anyone, I was coaching the majority of men. Like of the yeah, because no, that won't surprise me at all. No, senior it, management, correct. <laughs> senior management mainly is men, and so for me it was around that's not okay. But also, if we actually want equal opportunity, if we want equal access, then we've got to yeah. have equal access to resources. And yeah. I'm a resource, so how do I make me and people like me accessible? to everyone. And that's where we came up with People Coach. So I'm proud to say the last time we we did our numbers, 57% of the people on our platform are women. Ooh, fantastic. And are you going to track them to see how they how they if they manage to break through that glass ceiling? We're in the process. Yes, we are. 
We are fantastic. Oh my God. Look, Christine, I love what you're doing. So tell me about the light bulb moment though. Was there, what was there something specific that happened that you just went, hang on a minute, or were you just analyzing stats and you went, hang on, this is wrong. What happened? Well, there was a couple of, I had actually a couple of light bulb moments in in my, um, over the last 20 years. Yeah. But one of the the one that caused this one was around actually personal dissatisfaction, right? <laughs> and realizing that um, I didn't love what I was doing anymore, right? I didn't love the impact. I didn't love what it was doing to me. I didn't love, um, yeah, I just didn't love it anymore. And I think when you're when you've got your own business, it's not like when you turn up to work. And you're yeah. not having a great day or week or month, you know, you, you might not be it. as productive, but it's okay. But when it's your own business yeah. and when you're the leader and you have to turn up and inspire everyone else and you're not inspired, that's just not fair on yourself. It's not fair on your team. It's not fair on the business. And you can't no. actually be successful. So I had to really have a good look at myself and real and understand what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was have more one-on-one impact with individuals. I right. love coaching and yeah. I love the impact that it makes. And I saw an opportunity to make a difference and – I mean, we talked offline about taking big risks. You know, I've changed my business model. I've also invested my own money in building a SaaS platform um, wow. as a non, yeah, as a non-tech founder. That can be difficult at times. <laughs> it can be challenging. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and understanding a whole new, different language. But you know, I've always been up for a challenge. I've never done what's been normal or expected. And here we are. You know, two well, years I love later. It. Yeah. And you know, I think HR in itself, having having now spoken with so many people who are in their fifties, mm-hmm. you'll probably know where I'm going with this. Um, you know, and I just find it's so algorithm driven, or it seems to be that you just kind of go, Oh my god. Although I have to tell you just something very sneaky I heard the other day, and I just think it's so clever. Um, but there was a guy who was telling me that, you know, yet again he'd been passed over for a job. He'd been very senior at BP. And a guy who had no experience had gone for the same job. He was a mate of his, but didn't have an experience in this role. And he rang him afterwards and he said, you know, congratulations, glad you got it. But how come you got so high in the on the list? And he said, I'll send you my resume. And he sent him the resume and he had a look at it and it didn't have any, any details in it. Now he, and then he said, select all the copy. And you probably have seen this before, but in the background, the guy had written the name of the, the role a million times in white mm. so that no one else could see it but all the algorithms picked it up. I thought that yeah. was very clever. Yeah. <laughs> the SEO but part sad of it. Yeah. In, the same, yeah. in the same way that you have to do it, but there you yeah. go. Um, okay, so that didn't surprise you at all. No. <laughs> Amazing. All right, so now let's talk about how you got here in the first place because this is the juicy bit that I always love talking about. So when you were, let's go back to high school days, did you think when I grow up I want to get in HR or how did it all unfold? No, look, um, so people can't see me on your podcast but I'm Chinese, so first generation. My parents, <laughs> you know, immigrated there. Yeah. <laughs> As well. Uh, so when I um, – was in school, of course, there was two occupations. It was doctor or a lawyer. Right. And uh, I, you know, studied hard, 
well, hardish. And but when when the time came, I actually didn't get into either of those courses. So, God, what, what did you in- think? Did you think your whole world had had collapsed, or was it just your parents who thought that? Oh, my parents thought that my whole world had God. collapsed. Um, <laughs> and then, even worse than what I did is, I got accepted into um, Melbourne Uni, Uni, which I had to go to Melbourne Uni, of course, because yeah, that's the only Uni course. you can go to. Uh, but I got accepted into the arts. Stream, which my parents were like, but you can't draw, you're useless and how do you make money? And I was like, okay. And I did a major in psychology, which to me was it was sort of like going to be like a doctor, doctor? psychology, Um, which it was quite interesting and no disrespect. My mother's a nurse and and it's funny because I am sort of a teacher now, but they both went, well, you can either then, because I wasn't a doctor or a lawyer, I should actually be a, a nurse, a teacher or work for the government because the oh law my and God. it must have been so hard with parents was, who are just so determined to put you on a path absolutely and then when i um i took the accepted the offer for arts degree with major psychology my mother i don't think she spoke to me for about a few weeks quite a few weeks actually <laughs> oh anyway so i went and did that and i realized that i wanted to I wanted to be in psychology. I, I wanted to be a psychologist. Yeah. Um, but at the end of my three years, I wanted to take a year off because I never did. Um, I never took a year off. I went straight from VC yeah. or HSC straight into uni, and so I decided I want to take a year off. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go. I got accepted into a master's program, but I decided to take a year off, and I went and got a job in marketing at Hallmark Cards. Right. And I thought, oh, I'll just do this for a year. And I got into that role in marketing and I just loved it. So I stayed in that job. Um, I got promoted in that job quite quickly. So I have to I, ask, did you ever go back and finish that degree? Or did you just get caught up in marketing from then on? I got caught up in marketing. I've since done another four degrees. <laughs> oh, but my I haven't, God. Yeah, yeah. So I did I did go back to school, but I yeah. did. I stayed in marketing. I then did a post-grad in um, policy studies. I then traded that up into an MBA. And I've since done a um, postgraduate in organizational change and executive coaching. Oh and my actually, giddy-ass. interestingly enough, interestingly enough, I did speak to my husband the other um, a little while ago and I said, I actually really want to do a master's in psychology. And he, and he said, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to say something. But I, I am too busy at the moment um, to do that, but I will do that. So, yeah, it might take Amazing. me 30 years to turn back and do it, but I will actually do it. And, look, I think what I've done in marketing because – Psychology is actually about understanding people's mindsets, understanding, you know, the choices that we make and influencing choices, right? That's what we do in marketing and that's what we do in coaching. So although the way that I'm delivering what I'm doing is maybe different, it's all along the same theme. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're at Hallmark. You're loving it. They've promoted you early. What happened then? Okay, so basically I did – I've had three jobs in my life apart from my own businesses. So I did five years at Hallmark Cards. I then decided to move. I got a job at Kraft Foods, which I loved doing. Um, So I was in marketing there. I learned an incredible amount at Kraft Foods. I then moved moved to Simplot 
again, as a marketing person, had a you know a pretty, pretty sizable team there, had a $10 million advertising budget. Wow, you know, I wish I'd was, known you then. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. I think I met you after that. Yeah. And then it was at my job at uh, Simplot that um, a girlfriend of mine said to me, I think we should start this well, actually, she decided she was going to start this business with somebody else, and it was a recruitment business for sales and marketing people. And at that point, I was on a trajectory to, you know, be head of marketing and, you know, have a yeah, big move team. Up to GM or whatever. Yeah, yep. And she um, started to talk to me about this, so I helped her just with thinking about it. And then, long story short, she actually came to me a little while later and said, "Actually, do you want to start it with me?" I hooed and hard and. Decided yes. What so, was the love of HR? Why? Why? No, why did you see that gap then? Why no, did you think you wanted to do sales and marketing recruitment? Well, we saw a gap in the market around. So we had dealt with recruiters, both of us, both as employers and employees, and really saw there was a huge gap in the market around how people were treated Gaping as a candidate. Chasm, I would even say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So we saw definitely saw a gap in the market. There was an opportunity. I was at an age then. I was um, early thirty, late twenties, early thirties, where I went. If I get out and it doesn't work, I can get I back can get into back marketing. In. Good idea, back girl. So I could do that, and also it just—I didn't have children at the time. I had a partner at the time who actually said, "You always wanted to be in your own boss. Why don't you try it?" So everything sort of lined up, and yeah. so we took we took the punt, and we were really clever in I think the way we did it. Like we'd committed two years to each other because what we said is. We know that we're going to probably fight. We know that we're going to have offers. We know that it's going to be hard. We know all these things. So let's commit to two years. So we did that. And actually, at the end of that, she decided to go back to corporate and I got a different partner in. So we're right. still good friends. Um, she's still one of my closest friends. Did, did you have a contract um, at the beginning that said how the exit was going to happen? No, we just had. Amazing because so many, I mean, that that it's amazing then that you're still friends and you've done it so well. Yeah, yeah, we've done it. Yeah, we did it really, really well. Um, so, you know, we had another partner come in and, and, and so that, that business in different iterations is still existing. Yeah. So we're still sales Same and marketing partner. recruitment. Uh, no, we changed. I, he, that partner moved out. I got another partner who came in and we've been together. John Davies and I have been together for now 17, 17 wow. years. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We um, we had a joint brief actually with a client the other day and John and I were bantering along and it was like – Actually, we're like an old married couple. Yeah, we are. Actually, at one point, at one point, he said to somebody, somebody actually said to us many years ago, God, you two are like an old married couple. Like when you're partners, are you like life partners as well as business partners? And we both went, no, 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 we're just business partners. And then he said, I think I said, or he said, oh, yeah, we're like an old married couple. We fight all the time. We don't have sex. And lasted a long, lot longer than a lot of marriages, I would say. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, so he's still, um, yeah, so I'm still in partnership with him. So, right. and, and that was a light bulb moment. And, you know, one of the reasons, apart from those ones, like my, my girlfriend asked me, it seemed like a good idea. I had, you know, the financial resources, I could do it. The other reason why I did it is because I could see in working that so many women particularly, and this is, yeah. you know, 20-odd years ago, were so hamstrung 
by their guilt or the juggling of family and work. And I never, I knew I always wanted to have children and I knew that I didn't want to be told by somebody, and dare I say, I didn't want to be told by a man that I couldn't go to sports day or I couldn't do drop-off because I had to be somewhere. And I I guess... I I actually think, Christine, we were the beginning of that mumpreneur wave. Yeah. um, Yeah. (laughs) Which really happened around the early 2000s, I think, where we all went... Hang on a minute. Work does not actually work with with young children, and I'm not going to not have the children. Yeah, that's right. And it's like, it's not. It wasn't actually. I mean, there was part that it was more uh, for me about the fact that I didn't want to be told. Yeah, true. Like you're not. Nobody's going to tell me when I have to turn up and when I don't. You know, and and that I can't go to my child's ballet concert or whatever they wanted to do um, because I have yeah. to be somewhere else. You know, if I choose not to want to go yeah. to that concert, then that's on me. But I don't want anyone to tell me what's yeah, acceptable. Gotcha. Anyway, so that was also a big driver of starting this business. And, you know, 20 years later, have I looked back? Sometimes I've looked back and gone, oh, my God, what I've thought. Because being your own being an owner of a business, being a founder, being a female founder is not always the easiest because everything does land on you. It does absolutely. Yeah, and there've been but if times you, if you if you like, I guess controlling your own life, then that is maybe the downside, or that is just one of the things that comes along with it. Yeah, and especially if you're if you're the primary breadwinner, if you go through a GFC, running a recruitment business, and you're a mum of you know young children with a team, it can be quite. So it's not all that you know, because again, you get a lot of people saying, "Oh, you're so lucky, you can come and go oh. as you like," and you're like. <laughs> Luck, sweetie, has got yeah, nothing to no, do no, with it. Nothing to do with luck. And no. on top of that, I think you've got to have nerves of steel, really. That totally. was, that's always been my thing because there will be times that you think, oh my God, how am I even going to pay the bills? And something will happen or you make something happen and, and you just scrape through, like often with hours to spare. Yep. Um, yep. It's challenging. So, so you've had a business for 17 years. Tell me some of the ups and downs. Oh, uh, well. Uh, well, I've had that business for now 20, 20 years. So, the, the, all right. So, we got embezzled in the first year by our first employee that was supposed to be our friend who oh then had – who then was, you know, I suppose had enough integrity to say, I could have stolen more from you but I didn't, so you should thank us. Thank me. Oh so, that was the first God. one. Um, I had uh, – I went through the GFC – yeah, how did how did you cope with that? Because that's when I set up handle your own PR. Yeah, because all look, our PR clients just disappeared. Yeah, and our recruitment clients did too. Look, at the time, I had a really great team. Who we? Um, I mean, everybody went down to sort of three or four days. Um, we had some really solid clients. But cash flow wise, we've always been quite. Um, good with budgeting and, and right. you know, I think one of the things that we have to own as entrepreneurs and founders and especially women is we need to be good with money. Yeah. Like it's not okay to go, oh, you know, it's, I don't do it for the money. I do it for the, you know, for the love of it. Well, you need money to pay bills. You need money to pay people. You need money to, you Grow. know, expand. Yeah. yeah and you need exactly. money to eat, right? Yeah. So, so we've always and been quite And in those days, buy nappies. And buy nappies. So, yeah, so we were quite good there. And, you know, we survived it. We didn't thrive through it. But, but you know, you at the same it. time, 30% of the recruitment industry closed overnight and we didn't. 
Yeah, so, well done. Congratulations. So we've been through that. We've been through a well, going through a pandemic. Um, we had John and I actually. We were a Melbourne-based business. We actually merged with a, a larger business, and we became Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Um, we went through that, and How then was we that? had. Is that, is was that good is, are for you a still while. Across- are still up no, and down the coast? No. No, no. And that was where my first midlife crisis came. So I've had a number, I mean, my first <laughs> light bulb. So I was, we were, um, that was when the GFC happened. We had Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Uh, we had four business partners and um, it takes, it's like a divorce or any you know, bad situation or relationship breakdown. There's not never one person. No. But needless to say, you know, the people in Melbourne and the people in Sydney, so John and I and the others, we didn't – there became a disconnect. There was a values right. disconnect. There was a strategy disconnect. There was a vision disconnect. Um, and you managed to get out of it without having to close your doors, which is well, pretty Well, we basically – because we had merged together as two separate entities and became one, we basically separated and just took back – what we did. So you know, was this what, what happened? When did you change your name? Was this we, around? That was there in twenty thirteen. Yeah. So we changed to we changed. We became. Um, we went from market partners to career partners, and then we became chorus executive. Right. So we basically merged, became the bigger entity. We had, as I said, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and then since then, in twenty thirteen, um, I was forty five, and I um, I ran away to Uganda. No, really? Yeah. So what happened was I we were going through the GFC. We had this poor relationship with the Sydney partners. Stress, was stress, stress. Stress, 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 very miserable. Um, also had to have a hysterectomy at the same time because I had really bad, you know, uh, girl problems. I'm saying this, this is a woman's thing. Yeah, yeah, right? it is. So, it's okay. There'll be girls listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a hysterectomy and oh, I saw this thing pop up on Business Chicks saying, come to Uganda with, with the Hunger Project. And I remember oh. it clearly. I was literally sitting in this same spot. Yes. Um, you can see behind me. So, Jules, you can see behind the kitchen. Yes. My husband, it was 9 p.m. My husband was washing the dishes and I turned around and I said, I want to go to Uganda with the Hunger Project. And he said, go. Do it. I'm like, don't be ridiculous. We've got like a two-year-old. The business is in GFC. How, it's how, just long, was it, how long were you going? Was it was how long did you weeks. have to go for? Two weeks. Only two okay. weeks. But I had this little kid, blah, 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 yeah. and he just said, you're just being a pain. You're in a rut. You need to go and do something. And long story short, I applied, I went, and it actually was the beginning of a really huge journey for me. So I went to Uganda and I realised a few things. One, all the things that I'm miserable about, you know, the women in Uganda would feel blessed to have the problems that I have. Yeah. Two, all the issues that I've got are me made, right? Yeah. Um, and I have a choice, and I have choice and options to get out of it. And the only reason that was stopping me getting out of it was fear of not having enough money. And I, at that stage, you know, depending on which way you look at it, when I compared myself to the Ugandans, I had more money than they could ever dream of compared yep. to other people. I was poor, right? So yeah. you just got to choose who you're going to. Of gonna, course, it's perspective. You know, benchmark yourself against. So I came back and I said, I cannot do this. So within, so I came back in the December of 2012. By I think the February or March, I had decided to pull the pin. And by June 2013, John and I had started Chorus Exec, like restarted. So we'd got out of the relation, the 
partnership and we'd restarted. So how was John through all of this when you were having the wobble? Because he must have been a little bit worried. He just went, I, I, first I said I need to get out and he was a bit concerned about that. And then I, I said, and then I said, cause I was going to get out and leave the, all the business to the, to the people that were left there. Cause I was like, yeah. I just can't work with you anymore. I'm not happy. I just, I don't care. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just have to get out. Yeah. Um, which is a really female thing to do. And I see it with my girlfriends that go through divorce. They're just like, I don't care about the money. Just, I just got to go. Yes. Um, which is actually a really dangerous thing. Huge but anyway, mistake. But, yeah. But understandable um, for us yeah. all to just go, just get me out. Just get me out. And so I was like that. And then something happened and I can't, anyway, it was a long story and something happened. And then I just turned around to John. And I said, if I decide to buy this out, are you in? He said, and he just went, thank Christ. I've been waiting for that. So that's what we did. We bought them out or we, you know, separated, we bought it out and we restarted and it was fantastic. I was going to say, did it feel good on day one? It probably was just a, whoa, I've got something I can really go for again now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was really good. And then, so we've been doing that um, as chorus executive for the last sort of seven years. But as I said, a couple of years ago, then I decided that um, that was my next midlife crisis at 50. What happened? (laughs) Well, I decided, I I was 50. I went away with girlfriends to Bali. I had 12 girlfriends um, come to Bali and we had this beautiful villa and I had I had no computer, I had no children, I had no husband, I had no responsibilities, no work and like I had a all holiday. this t- <laughs> Yeah, and I had all this time to think. But what happened is I realised how stressed I was and how miserable I was and I had this like low-level anxiety the whole time about work and I realised it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I Hi, John. Back. I'm doing a change again. <laughs> I'm doing a change again. Uh, and he, again, very happy with that. And, look, in hindsight, it was a great thing to, of us to have done because yeah. it meant that we've been able to ride through this. COVID really quite well because what we decided to do is downsize Chorus Executive. So um, we've got a really small team now and we work with people that, we want to work with and who want to work with us rather than feeding a machine. Yeah, nice. That's a huge change, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that and moment when someone's an asshole and you can go, sorry, don't yeah. really want to work with you anymore. It's just and so I don't empowering. have to because I'm not yeah. feeding a huge team. I'm not feeding a huge, you know, $150,000 rent, you know, each yeah, year. I'm not great. feeding any of that. And so – but it also gave me the opportunity to work on People Coach, yep, which is really right. where – my focus has been yep. because I just the world no, needs it's it. Right. Yep, I'm with you. I, I yeah, I totally can see how you just go. I know that this is right. Like I know this is needed, and I know I can make a difference. Yep, yep. So that's Which where we is, are now. Right. Well, you and I are practically the same age, I would say as well. And I feel like I've had this epiphany as well. It's funny, isn't it? You just as you get older, and I think. I don't know whether it's the kids being older as well and so less of the, oh, my God, I'm, you know, if I don't feed them, they'll starve because they can scrabble around and cook their own food and things now. But you just kind of go, there's a, something needs to change and I know I can do it. Well, I think, you know, to be honest, age with age comes wisdom. With mm-hmm. age, for some of us, comes confidence. For some, not, not always. But for me, I think what I've allowed myself to do with age is – 
allow myself to trust me more and yes. not rely on the good um, good opinions or the opinions of others. So where others are saying, and I've never been. I mean, anybody no. that knows me well would go, you, you never do that. But <laughs> I do. Like we do. We all, yeah. course, we all do, right? Of but course. I, I definitely think as I've gotten older, I've got more confident. I've also realised that whatever failures happen, they're not long-lasting and they've never really, you know, have I lost money in, in bad deals and poor negotiation? Absolutely. Have I made poor business decisions? Absolutely. None of it's killed me. No, you've it's hurt my ego. It. It's hurt my ego a little bit, and it's meant I've had to have different holidays, maybe, or you know, <laughs> not buy so many shoes. But it's I've never not eaten. I've never not paid a bill. You know, yeah, so, no, same, same. So and I also, and I also think that you, um, when you're older, you can kind of. I, I mean, it's it's a trendy saying, but it's true. You kind of step into yourself a bit, <laughs> and you just go, "I'm going to do it." Like yeah. you know, I don't really care what anyone else thinks anymore. No. And I think would you have done it five years ago or ten years ago? Probably not because there would have been all that fear still in the back of your head, maybe this isn't the right decision, whereas now you go just just do it. Okay, so tell me, how did you actually set up People Coach and how how does it run and how's that grown? Okay, so we are a SaaS platform. So, I mean, I'm lucky that I had already a – I know how to run a business because I've been running business for 20 years. I'm also in the same – niche, so HR and, and development and, and people. So my target audience is the same, i.e. HR professionals, although now I'm talking to the lead, you know, the, the learning and development people rather than to speaking to the um, recruitment people. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So I've got the same. But but what's different, what's totally different is the, the SAS, the technology piece of it. Right. So what we've done. So what done, does the platform do? What does okay, your SAS so platform do? So basically what we've done is we've codified the coaching process. So a lot of the costs of having a coach, part of it's time, but part of it is, well, a lot of it's time actually yeah. and expertise and, and you know, really expensive assessments, assessment tools, 360 assessment tools and all that sort of stuff. So what I've basically done is all the stuff that I would do in a one-on-one coaching session, I've put into exercises and modules that you as the coachee needs to do, but you still get a coaching session. But our coaching sessions now right. are much more targeted around, you know, the learnings that you get out of these exercise and modules. And what it means is that we can be a lot more effective. We yeah. also set it up to be um, via Zoom. So we were COVID-friendly before COVID, yep. uh, so, which means that saves time and effort and which also meant that we could make it more cost-effective. So, But pre- also your market becomes much bigger because all of a sudden you don't have to be in the room with someone, Correct. so all of a sudden you've got the whole of Australia as your market. Well, the whole world. Well, the whole world, exactly. Yeah. So the whole world. Um, so, yeah, so that's what we've done. We have – so we're online, we're on demand. You have exercises that are served up to you via platform. You do those exercises, you book in your coaching sessions and you, you have your coaching sessions. We have programs that cover – you know, individual contributors. So how can I improve my personal impact and my drive my career through to executive? But where we're seeing the most need is in that emerging and developing leader, right? So the people that are becoming first-time leaders or perhaps they've been a leader for three or four years that actually just need some help. And COVID has actually – I said to someone the other day, COVID is like pressure on coal that makes a diamond, 
Right? Oh, what a great, great, great analogy. I love it. Yeah. So what's happened is as the pressures come with COVID, we've seen some coal become diamonds and we've seen some coal just crush. Yeah. And what I'm – so the people that I'm speaking to are, are saying we're rough. seeing a lot of the crush crush right. stuff and yeah. we need – we need something that's cost-effective, time-effective, and impactful to help our leadership, our, our middle management. Because again, you can have great strategy at the senior area, but even the middle area, the people that are executing the plans, if they don't have strong leadership, then the business is not going to be successful. No. So that's where we're <clears throat> focused Brilliant. in that area. And you know, the side benefit is we're getting huge access to well that group where there are more women yes. and hopefully offering them the support to be able to rise up and become the diamonds they deserve to be. Great. I love, love, love that philosophy. And anything really that can help women who are stuck in those situations and can't get up has got to be brilliant. So, you know, I love people making an impact. Now, I just want to tell- say something. Yeah, I just yeah, want to say course. something to that. And, and this sure. is to all the women. Women, we are often – our own worst enemy. So as much as there's support there, um, we've got to stop blaming organisations or managers for not letting us. I'm not saying that there's not, you know, institutionalised issues. I'm not saying that or infrastructure issues. But I am saying that we do, we also have a role to play to fix our own problems. Yeah. It's the lean in kind of thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, you've got to take advantage of the opportunities and you've got to not let things slide if, if you don't like them. Uh, which is very you, easy for me to say because I don't work for anyone. <laughs> I can't I, imagine what it would be like. But I am going to say, like, when I'm doing, when we are doing coaching, it's more likely for a woman to, to pull a coaching session at the last minute than it is for a man. Oh, right? interesting. Right? And so what the woman will do is, oh, I'm really busy. I've got this deadline or I've got to pick up the kids or I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Now, uh, maybe men aren't picking up the kids. Maybe they are. I don't know. In my house, it's pretty equal, right? My husband yeah. actually does it more than me. But they're but, not prioritizing their, themselves and their career. Correct. Whereas the man will go, I can't do it. I've got this coaching session. Yeah. The woman will go, I can't make the coaching session. I'm going to either – fill in this other need, you know, do this report yeah, or do whatever or pick up the kids. So I'm just going to say that's a really telling thing to me that you're prioritising other things. Yes. Now that's a really good and interesting insight and I guess one that probably a lot of women aren't aware of. You no. know, they probably don't realise it and they need somebody like you who's looking across both sexes and whatever and going, hang on a minute. I mean, the one thing I, do, I know from Handle Your Own PR is that, men will make really quick decisions and say, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Women say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to have a think about it. And then they never, never come back to it. Correct. You know, they think for too long. We're overthinking things. Yep. Totally. Um, but there we go. Okay. So now because this is all about women, one of the things I like to ask are, are there any women that have helped you along the way in your career that you would be wanting to give a little shout out to or tell us? I mean, I know you've done work for yourself for so long, but are there any women that have loomed large in your life and helped you in business? Uh, There are many, many women that have uh, loomed large and helped me in business. I think the people I get most inspiration from, I'll be honest, are, um, well, my mum. 
Yes. Even though I'm not being a very good daughter at the moment, we're having a few fights. But overall, her strengths and her resilience, and I'm inspired by there's, you know, a couple of single mums that have worked for me in the past that I have always been inspired by because, you know, they get up every morning, they're cheerful where they've got financial issues and they've got ex-partners that are not helping and they raise the most amazing children and, and I just think, you know, I have so much support in comp- comparison, you know, a husband that's active with me and, and a, a great father, a, a mother that literally looked after my children every, you know, three days a week. Yeah. Um, and so there's no way I would be where I am without that support. And then I look at, you know, these other women who literally doing it on their own. Yeah. And I'm so inspired by them. So that I always looked at that. I looked at I, – I, I, I get inspiration from the people that I work with in the Hunger Project. So with respect to, um, you know, what the choices that they make and the how they refuse to be be labelled as poor or illiterate or stupid or second class. So I, I look at that. And then from a business perspective, there are incredible group. You know, I'm part of, um, well, I was part for, of our EO where I met some amazing women like Amantha Imba, um, Kate Morris is a friend of mine, um, Jacinta McDonald, Margie Worrell, like I, you know, and then I've got, you know, people that other people don't know that, that might not their name, not, might not know their names and aren't entrepreneurs in business, but who've been incredible supports. And I think women, um, women who are girlfriends, we we care for each other in a different way. I mean, literally on Saturday, I got a phone call from a client who become one of my closest friends, and she literally, I got this message going, "I've got the wobbles. Call me back." now I'm, I'm having a meltdown yeah. and I rang her and I walked around the backyard and we had this great chat and the thing is Talks the week before down. week before I'd done that to her yeah, yeah. I'd like gone holy fruit loops I need to come and see you and I'd done the same thing so incredible group of women um but I gotta say also incredible group of men that have yeah you know yeah. the difference the interesting difference and it's a little bit what you just said, and, again, this is a shout-out for women. I've had lots of emotional support from women. Yeah. I have a lot more emotional and business strategy, but I've had a lot more or all true business support, as in capital investment, referrals from men. Right. Well, the capital investment doesn't surprise me because there is a stat I don't know if you're aware of that only 2% of VC funding goes to women. Yeah. Um, And and that something like 98% of investors are men. So hopefully that's all changing now. But, you know, I mean, we couldn't do it without the blokes. There is absolutely no doubt at all. And, and, And I guess part of my mission about sort of highlighting women is to bring along those guys that really support us as well because they we couldn't do it without them and we need them um okay so what about things that you've learned tips that you would offer i mean you've done a bit of that through this anyway but are there any pivotal moments that where you've learned something that it would be useful for another woman to hear a tip um get rid of anyone that makes you feel bad oh that's a good one Right, so <laughs> girlfriends that you've had for thirty years because you went to school together, like, and they you know, bring you down. Colle- That's right. Colleagues that don't make you feel good, that put you down, um, get rid of them. 
Yeah. And if, if you physically can't get rid of them because they're your boss and you love your job, but get rid of the, the, what they say in your head, like just let it, let it be like Teflon. Become Teflon, it comes yeah. In. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, so get rid of that. True to um, stop caring about what people will say about you. What did I, somebody said, um, was it Brené Brown? I don't know. You know, what other people's opinion of me is not my it's not my, not um, my business. It's not my business. So yeah. don't care about that. Like care about what you think about yourself. Like do you respect yourself? Are you respecting the decisions that you're making? Are you proud of yourself? If you are, then that's fine. That's um, enough. Perfection is bullshit. Like, oh, thank no, you. That's a, that's a fantastic one. No How many such, of us? Yeah, and, no and you're in recruitment as well. And the one thing that I always hear from people in HR is that women will say, you know, they'll look at the same job. They've both got the same qualifications. They've got about 90% of the skills. The guy will go, I'm going for it. And the woman will go, shit, I need to get another 10% skills before yep. I can go yeah, for it. Hey, is I that want, classic? Is that really classic. true? Absolutely. And they, and then they spend, not only do they not apply for it, but then when they have the interview, they spend most of the time telling you how bad they are or all these things. And you're like, Apologizing. I I don't right. want to hear about that. I would highly recommend a book called um, The Biggest Bluff. Yeah. It's by um, a lady who tracked her journey becoming a poker expert right. and the whole um, journey and what she learned about, the, about bluffing and about defending yourself um, and how you operate at the poker table. And oh. so I'll just tell you two stats. Yeah. First stat, the best hand only wins 12% of the time. Wow. Right? So the rest of the time, it's other things. It's strategy, it's timing, it's whatever that's that's winning the hand. So that's number one. So you don't have to be the best to win, number one. Number two, when a man is at a table with a woman or men at, the, at a woman because there's less women who play yeah. professional poker, they will bluff six times more. Oh, Right? That's interesting, isn't now, it? Now, she didn't analyse why, but there's a couple of assumptions. Why? Why? Because does he want to protect the woman? Does he want to be sexually attractive, like, you know, boost himself yeah, yeah. up? Does yeah. he think that she should be home, you know, making babies and cooking pies? Um, or is he just a dick, right? <laughs> so, so, but my thinking of that was if – they're doing that. So what they said is um, poker is like a microcosm of the world. Yeah. And so if men are doing that to women at the poker table, my natural, you know, thinking went, wonder what they're doing in the boardroom. Wonder what they're doing at the meeting table, right? So are, how much, you know, more are men bluffing because there's a woman at the table and then how much are we women then sitting back going, oh, yeah, he must know what he's talking about or he must do this or he must do he that. sounds assertive about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm, I love men. Like all my yeah, investors are men. My partner, like, so it's not, and I've got two sons, so it's not about that. But it's We about, don't need to apologise. <laughs> yeah, but it's, about, but, but it's about women, you know, hey, if this is happening and it could be some conscious from the male perspective, why are we letting it happen to us? Like, so step up. Yeah. Stop being bluffed. Bluff yeah. back. And start bluffing, yeah. Start bluffing back. Stand up yeah. for yourself. So read the book. There's a, it's a bit boring at times, but there's some really great learnings out of it and it's no, about really good. bluffing it. 
yeah. and standing up. That's really good because I know um, at times when I've bluffed, I've then turned it into a joke and told them the truth straight afterwards if someone believes me because you just feel like, oh, my God, I, have I really convinced them? Oh, you know, I want to tell them the, the honest truth. So um, but here's but the that's thing. not what's happening in business no, with blokes. But he, here's the thing. Sometimes if we think we're bluffing, it might not be bluffing, it might be the truth. Yeah. So standing <laughs> up and actually going – that's not right and thinking, oh, I'm blood, I'm imposter syndrome, I'm not good yeah. enough but I'm still going to say what I think and you think, oh, I'm just faking it. Well, it actually might be the truth. It might be that you are a powerful woman that has a really valid, you know, recommendation or suggestion. It's not a bluff that you're there. It's actually a bluff that you're not standing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just yeah. do it. Very, very true. Okay, uh, now when you run your own business and you've got a family, often it's hard to do the juggle. And I'm just, I ask this um, just because I'm interested for some people, it's a seamless, you know, my business is my passion and I love it. And so I do it whenever I need to, which I know to an extent we all do if we've got our own business. But do you try and separate out like, you know, Sundays and after five for the kids or no? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, look, I'm. Uh, I mean, it's, do you work all weekend? Yep, I do. do. Well, I've got to start up. Yeah. Well, yeah. look, I'm on three boards. I've got two businesses, so I'm working, doing something every at all times. At all yep. times, pretty much. Um, and my kids are older now, so they are spending a lot of more time doing their own thing as well. Yeah. Um, and we're role modeling for them, of course. That's the other thing. They do yeah. see us working and, and hopefully it'll rub off in the same way and they'll, th- you know, I kind of hope my boys become entrepreneurs as well. Uh, I don't, I want them to be whatever. I don't, yeah, oh, well, I don't whatever know. They whatever be. they want to be. So, um, so, you know, look, it's always been, but I've got to say I've always had support. So whether it's might be my mother and my father who, as I said, looked after pretty much from Week one, my, my mother was here helping. Um, my husband's very, very involved. In fact, when we had our second child, we both were part-time, so we both um, looked after him at different yeah. times, the, the, the little one. Um, and then I've had nannies. So I've, yeah. I've – and I've always worked for myself. So actually for, from the first time the ba- first baby was born, I never went to work on a Wednesday. Right. Right. So I always had at least one full day yeah. um, at home, even though I'd work at night. I still had it at home. So I've been – I don't get stressed with time. People talk to me about how do you manage it all and I actually never get stressed. Like I do a lot. Yeah. But I see – you to, just jump through it. I jump – because also I'm not perfect. Yeah. So I'm 80%. So I do everything 80%. Like I can, I can be cooking and having a phone call at the same time. I can be driving and picking up the kids and having a call at the same time. Yeah, so I'm yeah. often multitasking, not always the right thing to do. But I'm also very happy to say, hey, I've got to go. I've got to pick up the, I've got to pick up the kids. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah I think and I think that's... my most telling one was when I rang a managing director of a business and said, I can't turn up to the meeting. The school's just called and I'm going to pick him up, my son up. And he just went, oh, sure, no problems. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, that you worry about that and people just go, of course, you know, you've got to go after your child. Okay, here comes the crazy question that a journalist suggested I ask and I love it, which is, is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? And it could be anything. I don't eat red vegetables. What? I don't eat Why? red. I just Red what? is my what? absolute favourite colour and I just can't eat red. Ve- I can't eat red capsicum. I don't eat tomato. Um, wow. 
I don't know why. You've got a color-coded just... diet. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> no, uh, that's, no, it's great. I've, I've heard so many strange things. That's not the strangest. Don't worry. Well, what's the strangest? <laughs> oh, God. I've had things like um, one woman said she had no belly button, which really threw me. <laughs> I don't have a belly button. Otherwise, you would have died in neutral. Oh, that's what I said. How are you even alive? Yeah. Um, the, I think if you have a tummy tuck, sometimes you can lose a belly button. Oh, yeah, you do. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There was another woman who um, Kate Toon was the first big red chair on the Graham Norton show. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else won perfect match. <laughs> um, and, and there was another woman, I think I met a woman who hates balloons. I think that was the, the other one. But uh, there's all sorts of strange and weird and wonderful things that people have. No, so. I'm pretty tame, I think. It's a good question. And then my last question is purely selfish because I love my phone myself. And so I like to ask anyone if they've got any clever apps that they use for business that they want to tell me about. You use no. your phone for business? No. Oh, I, yeah, about- I use my I use my phone every minute of the day, but no, I don't. You don't have. I mean, I've got the standards, ones. you know. I use yeah. Slack. Um, I'm really loving my meditation. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That was, I was going to say, do you have um any fun apps that you use for personal time as well? So there you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of meditation at the moment. I think that's one of the things that has been very good. We'll get you through COVID. this startup stage and the COVID weirdness. Yeah. Well, I have to say for anyone who's listening, we're out today. We're we're actually allowed out, so it's a pretty nice day for all yes. around, as far yes. as I'm concerned. With what's happened with the American election, we've got this beautiful sunshine, and um, and it's the beginning of summer. So thank you so so much for this um, chat. Now tell everyone if they want to get hold of you or People Coach, what's the best way to do it? Okay, so go to our website, which is www people coach which is p-e-e-p-l-c-o-a-c-h.com i've got a free trial there if anybody wants you know to, to uh, do some of the modules and have a free coaching session go to peoplecoach.com if you want to contact me directly find me on linkedin um, or chris at peoplecoach.com happy to hear from you happy to help fantastic thank you so much christine you're welcome I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.